Good morning, Remore Nurses. How are you guys doing? Today, we're going to be talking about aneurysms for the NCLEX. So if you are on the journey to passing your nursing license exam, no matter what state you're in, this is the place to be. Aneurysms are such a complex topic that you definitely need to understand the principles of why they are so serious. When you hear the term aneurysm, you know that your patient has a potentially immediate life-threatening situation. So we're going to talk about it here. If you're first time joining us, hi, my name is Regina Callian, uh, MSN RN. Can't forget the details. Um, and I'm here to help you to study accurately, appropriately for your NCLEX exam. You guys know that I was traveling on the West Coast. I actually got stuck here. I'm in Las Vegas right now. People say this city never sleeps. It does sleep. It sleeps at like 5 a.m. to about 7.30 and then everybody wakes up again. But because of the hurricane, and you can kind of see it in the sky behind me, all the flights were canceled. And so um, I'm praying for my, my brother's family who are, you know, they're flying out today. Um, Mark and I are going to be here for a little bit longer than we anticipated. Uh, but at the same time, guess what? We cannot prepare for all of the challenges that come our way. But if we have, if we have responsibilities, if we have a study schedule, I'm trying to, I'm preaching to somebody. If you have a study schedule, then you will maintain that study schedule. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, so happy to be here with you on this morning. I appreciate the flexibility. You guys waking up early. It's 7 a.m. here, painfully 7 a.m. Oh, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about aneurysms. And so um, I have some review questions because I do like to start out with just an overview of the anatomy of the thing that we're talking about. So when we talk about aneurysms, hmm, the first question I, I want to ask you is, when we are talking about aneurysms, it is a term that means a dilation, right? It means it's a, it's a stretching, it's a stretching. What are, where are aneurysms typically found? Where are aneurysms typically found? Who knows that? What is actually dilated when we talk about an aneurysm? Hit that like button now. Absolutely. Hit that like button now because we do have questions. Ooh, I love it. I see some great answers. I see the brain. You have brain aneurysms, the arteries. Oh, my goodness. And um, actually, specifically, not just um, the artery I was looking for. Leo has it, the aorta, the aorta. So you guys are saying, arteries. We're having these aneurysms in the arteries. We're having these aneurysms in the brain. I totally agree. Can I ask this? Um, do we have aneurysms? Can we have aneurysms in the veins? Say arteries. Is it possible to have an aneurysm in a vein? Who knows that? I'm pushing you guys. We, 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 we know this term aneurysm. We talk about it. But do we have the understanding of POW in all areas? Oh, and I love it. You guys are getting into this. 
Patricia says yes, 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 yes. Leo says no. Some people are saying yes. Some people are saying no. Actually, even though it's not very, very common, even though it's actually not very, very common, we can have aneurysms in the veins as well. But typically the pressure in the arteries is what? Is it higher or is it lower than the veins? Typically the pressure in the artery is going to be higher. So that's why you will have more of that dilation, more of that outpouching in the layers of the arteries. Okay. Yes, Claire. Good job. So it's higher. It's higher. So what we're doing is we're structuring the anatomy of the aneurysm and how it's actually affecting the body. This will definitely help us now. Um, now listen, I think, I think, I think, I think I want to take a pause here because I have something, I have a special presentation and it is about the NCLEX and it is about the next gen NCLEX. So I want to do a brief Q and a session about next gen NCLEX and we'll come back to this. I promise, but I have a special guest here. You guys know how I like to do it. I get the question all the time. Are the testimonials real? Are these real people? Is this legit? Okay. Is this legit? We have one right here. Oni says, hi, Miss Regina. She found me, even though I was early today. I passed my NCLEX by God's grace using your invaluable V2 and quick facts. First time international test taker. Thank you so much for your support. Isn't that an amazing testimony? My goodness. Isn't that an amazing testimony? Of a nurse that came on here and said, first time international test taker. This should encourage somebody taking the next gen NCLEX and passed it. That, that passing rate is like a 40% typically. And so she did something amazing. Geraldine says this, um, OMG, I couldn't wait to let you know I passed on Friday on my first try with Remar V2, less than four weeks. I love your program and I am a Remar RN nurse. Remar ready. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? I also have another testimonial. I have a Remar nurse in. Let me, I don't, let me see if I have to bring this in. Typically I don't, but let me see. Okay. So I want to introduce you guys to a real Remar nurse, Remar ready. So ready that she's here to talk to you guys about her experience and answer, you know, the questions that you have. You might not be afraid to ask her. You might be afraid, but just put it in the comments. I'll read them for you. So um, this is the time. Her name is Nurse Kimberly. Let's see if we can hear her. Hi there. Hello. Oh, okay. Hold on. Let me see. Let me make sure you hear her. Nurse Kimberly, where are you from? I'm from Richmond, Connecticut. Okay. So I can't hear you. Maybe is it is it just me? Oh, man. Let me see. Are you hearing me let now? Make sure I can hear you. Okay, talk again. Say something. Are you hearing me now? I can't hear her now. Oh no. Um, let's see. No, she's here. Let me know in the comments if you guys can hear her. Somebody says you they can hear you, but you're talking low. Maybe it's this thing. Are you hearing me now? <clears throat> they said we can hear her. So they can hear her, but I can't hear her. Oh, you know what? Maybe I need to change my microphone now. Let me change my microphone. Mm, audio. Which one? Speaker. 
this one. Okay, try. Can you can you hear me now? Yes, I'm hearing you now. I'm hearing you loud and clear. I don't know. Stand by. See, this is like not in my studio. Uh, challenges. So they, can hear her. they can hear her, but we can't hear her, which is which is strange. Maybe she should just tell her story in Okay. Well, listen. They. I don't know if they can hear. Can you guys hear me? Can you hear me, Kimberly? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. So everybody can hear everybody except for me so what i want you to do while we try to figure this out is just go ahead and tell your story where you where are you from how you passed the nclex exam and whatever you want them to know because it ain't even about me anyways it's about you making the connections with them so i'm kimberly i'm from connecticut bridgeport connecticut um this is my fourth fourth time in taking my exams. Um, <clears throat> I graduated last year, August, August from LPN school. Um, I did the, I um, so I recently passed in August, so it's one year now since I passed my exam. Um, I did the, the new gen twice and I did the, the old version twice as well. So I passed the new gen on my second, second try with Remar, obviously. Um, my journey is long and overdue. Um, my strategy was listen to Miss Raymar, was just uh, Regina, just using my um, and, um, new gen. I don't have my materials now with me, sorry. Use my new gen, um, <clears throat> use the Remar V2, study using the videos, study, you know, doing the online live, that help every night, Monday and Wednesday. Um, use the book, study the book, read the book like twice, did not do no, I told myself I just need to do all contents. I didn't do no um, questions and answer. It was all content, content. Um, so I did that, you know, went into the test. Um, a good mentor, mentor for me, she told me, like we sat down like a day before the exam and she said to me, she's an RN by the way, um, she said to me, NCLEX is all about safety, priority and safety. So make sure that your patient is always safe and what comes first, who comes first. So I went in with it, I went to the exam with that, you know, state of mind saying, okay, then this is how I'm gonna do it. Because I studied so much and I'm like, I'm so exhausted, going through a lot. And I said, I'm just gonna follow this. I went in safety, safety, priority, 95. 95 questions. I could not believe it when the test shut off. I was like, oh my God, I think I failed. Not, you know, just going into it, not knowing if I did pass or anything. And got the result back. It was 95. I, you know, so I shut off at 95 and I got the result back saying, yes, you passed. And I just fell to my knees and I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. 
Because this whole That's process, amazing. God, God did this. God. But yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So what um people are asking, you were a repeat tester. People are asking what um what did you use before? Why do you think you weren't successful before? What changed it for you? What was the difference? Well, back then I was using a whole lot of materials, getting materials from, you know, all over. So it was just too much material for me. And I, I said, you know what, I found you, I found you before doing it over. And this is my second time I found you and I didn't follow you at that time. I didn't start, you know, following your materials or anything at that time. I was still on you world archer and it never worked. So this last time I said, you know what, I'm just going to do Raymar and it's going to be only Raymar. So I bought your book. I signed up and I did everything and follow all your materials and everything. And I just stick to one thing. So stick to one thing and don't be everywhere. One thing and one thing only. Trust me. Yeah. That, that's the best. That's the best advice. That is the best advice. And I'm so glad that you were able to just process it. I mean, this is an experience like anything else. And in nursing, you're going to have to do that every single day. Like, okay, I had a patient like this before. This didn't work for the patient. I got to do something new. Or, you know, based off of what my experience was yesterday, I'm going to incorporate this into my practice. And that is the process of, of being ready for this test. You have to pivot quickly. You have to be able to fail fast because the difference between you and somebody else is that you said, okay, number one, I'm going to invest in myself again. I'm going to give myself the opportunity again to be successful. And then two, I'm not going to sit with the failure and allow it to paralyze me. So what was your motivation? Why did you have to get it done uh, so quickly? Okay. To be honest, I, when I came out of nursing school, I, I got a job, which that was not good for me because I got full-time everything because I've been a CNA for like 10 years or more. So it's like my skills are there. So I went in, skills was good, did the work. I was a great nurse at the time. Everyone loved me. My patients loved me, but I had three months to get my NCLEX and I didn't get it. So I had to leave the job and you know that was pressuring on my mind because i'm like oh i gotta get back to work i gotta get back to work when was rushing failed i said you know what my job keep calling me i blocked out everyone did my my study and did everything and passed they called me numerous times when are you coming back i'm like just give me the chance to just breathe take my time no rush and I did it. And I called. She was like, oh, my God, when are you ready? When are you ready to start back? I'm like, I did my test on Thursday. I went back to work on Monday. <laughs> but, yeah, God's willing. Like, God did it. God Amazing. Did it. God did it yep. me. And, and that's what I want everybody to know. Like, you have to put these things aside that are distractions or that can block you from the actual goal for just a short time. For just a short time, you make that sacrifice. And because you're a nurse, it will be there. The opportunities are going to be there waiting for you. But you have to, you know, it's hard for us to pull away from the immediate gratification. So the paycheck, you know, what feels good in the moment. You have to delay that. You have to discipline yourself to say no to it in the moment so that you can receive it 
the proper way later. Yeah. So I'm yeah. so excited. What is next for you? Are you going back to the job? Are you doing something else? Yeah, I'm back at work. I've been at work since getting hours, working overtime, like trying to, you know, save up because I'm going back to school in um, January. I'm going to do the art and program, the bridge program, I should say. So, yeah. So I am, um, I just want to say congratulations you are the definitely the motivation for today. Somebody needed to see you. I appreciate you being flexible with, uh, with the time change and the schedule adjustment, but I believe everything happens for a reason. So there's yeah. somebody here that needed to be here this morning that maybe wouldn't have made the broadcast later on. And so they saw you and they heard you and now they have faith again that they too can yes. pass the NCLEX. So just tell them again, you can, you will, you, you must will, pass you NCLEX. Must pass. <laughs> You can, you yes. will, you must pass the NCLEX. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, and then, so if you guys have not gotten into the NCLEX V2 and you're just studying aimlessly or you're not making progress, please give yourself the opportunity to get on track with the V2. Because I got a Remar nurse that did it and she passed um, after using the program for just a short amount of time. Wasn't in there for months and months and months. And, um, and now you're looking at a RN right now. Well, you're looking at a soon to be okay. RN, right? Okay. PN, soon to be RN. I'm, I'm speaking it into existence. Speaking I'm speaking it. it. I'm claiming it. I'm claiming it. I'm claiming it. Thank you so much. You will absolutely hear from me soon. I'm going to, so you'll, you'll get my message. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Um, all the best to you. Mark is giving you, Mark, Thank he's, he's you. virtually giving you this rose right here. He said, give her this for me. Thank so, you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for your program. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Love it, guys. Come on, man. Where else in the world are miracles happening like this? You know, you have people that have spiritual gifts. You know, when, when you go to a church or you go to a fellowship and there's like spiritual gifts, I swear, the Remar community spiritual gifts is miracles because you just have people doing the impossible with God's help here. I'm so excited. I'm so excited, man. Remar ready. Remar ready. Okay, so let's go. When you have a kind of disruption like that, where it's just like the focus is on what God can do for somebody. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Okay, if you're just joining us, we actually began talking about this topic right here, which was the aneurysms, which was the aneurysms. And so with aneurysms is that we're talking about aneurysms being a dilation of, we said, where can you find aneurysms first, right? And so we said we can find them in the brain and you can also find them in the aorta. Um, and so- when you think about the aorta, I just want to talk about it just briefly. When you think about the aorta, the aorta comes off of the, the what organ? What is the main organ that the aorta comes off of? Because I, I just want to spend a little bit of time with anatomy. We did talk about how you can also have aneurysms in the veins too, but they're a little less common because the pressure in the veins is less than the pressure in the, um, what do you call it? in 
in the arteries, right? So you're right. The aorta comes off of the heart. And so I'm back to my drawing again. If you have, you know, if you just could use your imagination with me just for a moment, you have your heart and then you have this very large artery that comes off of the heart. All right. And we're going to call this the aorta. And so this is the, this right around here is called the root of the aorta here. You have some coronary arteries that come off like down here and they help innervate everything. But the, the aorta is, it runs long. It's like one of the longest arteries that you have, right? Can you guys hear me? You, you can hear me okay? All right. So when we talk about the, a, the aorta, you have the root of the aorta. You have what is going up here, which is part of the aorta. We call this the ascending, right? This is the ascending aorta. That's up there. And then when you're coming down here, guess what we call this? If this is the ascending aorta, what do we call this down here? We call this the, the what? This is ascending. Bring me back home to anatomy, guys, because this is what we have to do. The descending. Yes, Joanna. Yes, Esther. So this is the descending aorta. And so the descending aorta is going to innervate all down here, the thoracic cavity. You have the ascending that is going to innervate all up here. All right. And so we have conditions where we have a um, an abdominal aorta, right? That's going to that's going to be here, the thoracic cavity. You can also have a th thoracic um, aneurysm. And so it will be up in here. Okay. So I just want to give you a little orientation. That's what it's looking like. You open up any medical book, you're going to see a photo like this. All right. So let's get into it now. Now that we understand the anatomy, we understand the problem. It's the issue of the pressure in, the, in that aorta being too much. Because look, when every time, every time that the heart takes a beat, you know what gets the full force of that pressure? The aorta, the aorta. So every single time that your heart beats, the, the layers of the aorta get to stretch, get to stretch, get to stretch, right? And so that is how, that is how an aneurysm can happen, all right? All right, let's get into it. So what we have, what we have is an aneurysm is a dilation formed at a weak point, okay? It forms at a weak point in the wall of the artery. And so aortas are classified by their shape, their morphology, their location. And when we talk about how big do you consider an aorta, um, what, what they say is that typically the um the aorta is what did i write down I, I wrote it down it was two two centimeters is that what it is what my notes here two centimeters so when we talk about this if, say if this is like two so we would consider an aneurysm to be four or four and a half right and then that's considered one and a half times larger than what is normal that is how you consider an, an aneurysm, okay? So it's about one and a half times bigger than what is supposed to be at that location. So yes, these, these aneurysms come in different shapes, different locations. And so what we wanna know is what is important for us to understand for the NCLEX, 
Okay. And so here we go. The first thing is that you can have a situation where you have false aneurysms, okay, or what we call pseudo aneurysms. And do you know the difference between the two? I think this picture does a great job of it where you have the true aneurysm and what you see there, and then you have a pseudo aneurysm or a false aneurysm where it may look like there is a dilation of the entire artery, but it is not, okay? It is not. And so the difference between the two is an aneurysm, a true aneurysm, guys, watch this. A true aneurysm is going to involve every layer, every cellular wall layer, okay, at a certain point is going to have that dilation. So let me show you the picture again. So when the true aneurysm, you have every part of that, 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 that wall of the artery is dilated. The false aneurysm, what happens is you usually just have a small leakage. And so it doesn't affect the entire wall of the aneurysm, just a small portion. So you still could have some intact parts of the wall in place and you have a leaking out. So it's more like, a, like when you think about edema, how fluid seeps out, right? That's kind of what happens in the wall or the connective tissue with a pseudo or a false aneurysm. Now, the etiology, why does this happen? Why do aneurysms happen? Well, arteriosclerosis, okay? You have a hardening, you have a weak area of the vasculature and you can definitely have this outpouching. Vasculopathy, vascular injury, Oh, hypertension is such a big one. Hypertension, okay. Um, hyperlipidemia, smoking, okay. Smoking, trauma, bacterial infections. Bacterial infections can also affect blood vessels in the body and neoplasms. Now I'm expecting you guys as nurses who have gone through a certain curriculum and have graduated to understand these terms. Shout out to my nurses who are coming in with more, uh, more just testimonials, more encouragement. She says, I'm, I'm next Nigerian to pass NCLEX. I'm the next Nigerian to pass NCLEX. <laughs> um, nurse Iguatu, am I saying that right? Amelda, congratulations, Lolo. I'm also from Nigeria. Pass mine on the 12th of August. Okay, today is the 21st. Still here studying. I appreciate that. Using Remar. Um, quick facts and V2. Okay. That's the, that's the winning combo. Don't just study with the quick facts. Don't just study with the quick facts, get the V2 too. And congratulations, my Nigerian sister. I love it. I'm just next. I'm just next. I'm the next Nigerian. <laughs> congratulations, Daisy, who also says I pass with your program. Daisy, you pass today. We're still studying for aneurysms. And I love this topic because what it does is it teaches us to know more of that content, content, and have a better understanding. So we talked about some locations that an aneurysm can be found. This is the most common. There's three locations I'm going to go over. The um, abdominal aortic aneurysm. So we know 
that the abdominal cavity is going to be innervated by the descending aorta. It's going to come off of there. And so if you are in the hospital and you hear somebody has a triple A, have you guys heard that before? This person has a triple A. This is what they're talking about. It is a very serious condition on a cardiac unit. And so it's one of the most common types of aneurysms of the aorta. And I said, I showed you guys in my, my, my photo that the aorta, again, it's the largest blood vessel that carries blood away from your heart and through your body. So if a person has an triple A, then it is very likely that parts of their parts of their body is not getting parts of their body is not getting innervated because look when you have okay say this is the aorta okay this is the aorta and this cellular wall begins to bulge out okay so this cellular wall begins to bulge out here this is this is the aneurysm now what happens is this you have blood and fluid going here instead of going down where it's supposed to go. And so when you talk about one of these rupturing and you have blood and fluid going out this way, because it's ruptured now, what's happening to everything down here, everything down the line, it's not getting, it's not getting what it needs. There you have less and less blood going where it's supposed to go because it's going here. And this here, this is the emergency especially if this, if you have blood being taken away from the aorta, okay? Because that means everything down here is not getting what it needs. Very serious condition, guys. Very serious. All right. And so the triple A is one place. This is a type of aneurysm, abdominal aneurysm. And so what happens is given the aorta's reach and size, okay? All right. It's almost an inch wide in some places your patient, if this aneurysm explodes, your patient is going to have substantial internal bleeding, okay? Substantial. And sometimes, let me read it, just substantial internal bleeding occurs when the blood pressure increases against the aorta walls, causing it to rupture. Yes, Samir, causing it to rupture. So sometimes the triple A, when it ruptures, it can be mistaken for a heart attack. Right. But if we can catch it before, if we can catch the signs and symptoms of a triple A, then we can help our patient not to have this catastrophic event happen. All right. And so the signs and symptoms of the triple A are an abdominal aortic, um, sorry, a pulsating mass, chest and jaw pain, stabbing abdominal or back pain, fainting, difficulty breathing and weakness on one side of the body, okay? We're talking about the abdominal aortic aneurysms and signs and symptoms of that. But for NCLEX, out of, out of all of the ones that I've listed, which one is going to be the most important to know? Which one is going to be the most likely, okay? The most likely out of, let me read them to you again. Pulsating mass, chest and jaw pain, stabbing abdominal or back pain, fainting, difficulty breathing, weakness on one side of the body. Which one for the triple A are we going to be looking for? Mm. Okay. And this one is very important because it lets you know that the aneurysm has not ruptured. Okay. Has not ruptured. 
Am I looking for it? I'm looking for it. Um, it is going to be the pulsating, pulsating mass, okay? Pulsating mass. That is going to be the one that is most characteristic for the triple A. Yes, the most characteristic one. So that's the one you need to etch in your memory right now, right now, right now. Okay. Okay. Um, the thoracic aortic aneurysm. The thoracic aortic aneurysm develops in the portion of the aorta that passes through the chest. Also, like the abdominal aortic aneurysm, these thoracic aortic aneurysms are largely asymptomatic, okay? And so the patient is unlikely to know that they even have this thing. However, with the thoracic aortic aneurysms, okay? Um, some things that patient can look out for is back pain, hoarseness, shortness of breath, tenderness or pain in the chest due to a thoracic aneurysm rupture. So listen here, look at these symptoms that I am presenting to you guys. They're very what? They're very general. They're very general. They're very vague, okay? So when, when we talk about next-gen NCLEX, because if a patient comes in with, and, and, and this is why I say there's only certain things that you need to study. When a patient comes in and they report they have abdominal pain and they say, oh, I have shortness of breath. I have some tenderness. I have some chest pain. How many conditions can that be? Are we talking heart attack? Are we talking um, pneumonia? Are we talking indigestion, acid reflux? Is this an aneurysm, right? So you have to be able to rely on what in order to pinpoint exactly what can be happening. So if a patient comes in and they have this, what is it, angina, right, Clara? Patient come in, they have these vague symptoms. Is it a trauma? Did somebody punch you in the chest? You, you're, you're not gonna be able to clear a case study if you don't have content. Not a question bank in the world is going to be able to help you understand the principles of GERD, of angina, of myocardial infarction. It doesn't work like that. You have to take it subject by subject and actually understand the entire process of an alteration, right? So, um, so when we talk about abdominal aneurysms, when we talk about aneurysms in general, you're going to have to deduce it. Does the patient have an issue with their blood pressure? They have an issue with their blood pressure. We're going to lean less away from indigestion, more towards, you know, cardiac issues. Does the patient have a pulsating mass? If they have a pulsating mass, I'm done right there. I know that this is an abdominal aorta. And so the point that I'm trying to get you guys to understand is that Focus less on doing 100 questions a day and more on doing stuff like this, which is actual content review. All right. Somebody needs to hear that. We're going to change the mentality of how to be successful for this exam. And so the, the symptoms of an aneurysm are largely not there, not there. So that means that you're going to have a patient coming in with indigestion pain more often than you're going to have a patient coming in with aortic pain abdominal aneurysm pain because they mostly don't know that they even have this condition. It's not something that people are coming in saying, you know what? I'm feeling a little aneurysm coming on today. 
it's not going to happen like that. So again, when we're talking about aneurysms, we know that you can have an abdominal aneurysm. We know that you could have a, a thoracic aneurysm. And here's one that uh, one of the Remar nurses mentioned. It is a cerebral aneurysm. And so cerebral aneurysms are also known as brain aneurysms. Okay. And so what you have here is a weakened bulging vessel above the aorta. Okay. It's above the aorta and it is in the brain. These are most common in young people, young people. 30 to 60, 30 to 60 years old. Okay. Um, I've known two people that have had this condition. While cerebral aneurysms can be tiny, most people can have, you know, they, they come in all different sizes. We talked about that um, and not cause any problems. The larger ones can rupture, causing bleeding in the brain and then uh, potentially becoming very fatal, potentially becoming very fatal. And so when we have a, a symptomatic presentation of the aneurysm, meaning that you catch the aneurysm before the, the emergency situation. So the emergency situation with aneurysms is ruptured, okay? That is the emergency situation. So if we have a, a case study, if we have an NCLEX question where the patient is coming in with an unruptured aneurysm, it's time to get into activation mode. This is not something that you sleep on. This is actually the very best situation for your patient. So we, we went over this, the abdominal aortic aneurysm, you're going to have um, a femoral bruit, okay, gnawing abdominal pain, flank and back pain, but most importantly, and I'm starting with the abdominal aortic aneurysm because I think this is the most prominent one on your NCLEX um, that will be, be presented in front of you will be that prominent pulsation of a mask. And somebody tell me right now, where's the pulsation coming from? What is, why is the mass not stationary? Why is the mass pulsating? Who knows, who knows, who knows? Why is the mass pulsating? Okay, let me, um, why you guys are answering that. We have 288 people watching this and we only have 54 likes. We need to get those likes up to 120 on YouTube for the final question, for the bonus question. So let's, we got 54, let's get it up to 122, okay? Um, and the questions today are challenging. Mm. JJ, I asked the question, why is the mass pulsating? This is a pressure. The blood is accumulating in the bulge uh, because of the backflow of the blood, uh, because it's not ruptured. I'm looking for something very specifically. Why is it pulsating? Meaning, why is it going like this? Why is it going like this? Mm. I think somebody said it. I might have missed it. Anyways, it's pulsating because it, it is it is reacting to the heartbeat. So every time the heart beats, you have this weakened area of the vessel and it is just reacting to that. So you, you're feeling, you're actually feeling the heartbeat. The, yes, 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 yes. The aneurysm, you can get a pulse from the aneurysm, okay? And it should match up exactly to what the heart is doing. Very scary. It's scary times, okay? And so- 
that's what you're going to see. That is the pulsating. That is the reason why it is pulsating. It is, it's not so much that there's blood there. It's the fact that this weak area is continuing to be strained by each and every heartbeat. You can't start stop the heartbeat, okay? And so you essentially, this condition may get worse. It's an artery. Yes, you're going to feel a pulse. So that's what we're going to see for the abdominal aortic aneurysm. The thoracic aortic aneurysm is very vague, right? It's very vague. You're going to have back pain, shortness of breath, hoarseness, dysphagia, okay? Patient's going to have trouble eating. You might have a visible mass too, okay? All right, a visible mass, substernal notch above it. Cerebral aneurysm, okay? Cerebral aneurysm, headache, visual acuity loss, okay? Vision becomes blurry. Cranial neuropathies, okay? Pyramidal tract dysfunction, facial pain, facial pain, okay? We're gonna talk about interventions in a moment. Just give us one moment. We are still breaking down, still trying to understand. We're still trying to understand exactly what an aneurysm is, where is it located, what do we have to do about it, okay? So those are the three. Again, note them, abdominal, thoracic, aortic, cerebral aneurysm. Now, what happens when they rupture? We talked about when they're unruptured, Let's get into it when there is a rupture. And so, hey, the abdominal aortic aneurysm, what is the patient going to feel? Sudden and severe pain in the abdomen. Is it going to hurt? Yes, absolutely. It's going to hurt. Ugh, it's going to hurt. Rapid heartbeat. What is the rapid heartbeat from? Let's get into... Um, pathophysiology here. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the complications. Of, of course, part of studying content is understanding the clinical presentations and understanding the medical emergencies. And so an, a, a ruptured aneurysm is a medical emergency. I think we can get why it hurts. Let's talk about why is there going to be a regular heartbeat to a rapid heartbeat because of what? Mm, yeah, yes, I think I, I think I get what you're trying to say because of hemobulimic, okay? Because of hypotension, because of, like, I like where we are. We're all, we're all on every levels. This nurse says it's just because the blood pressure is low, okay? Even more so. Look how, look how we learn together because our patient will be going in shock. And you guys know if you have hypotension, if the blood pressure drops, what does the heart rate have to do in order to compensate for that low blood pressure? All right. Maybe some of you guys, you haven't learned this in nursing school yet, but your big brothers and sisters in the Remar family, they teaching you something. Yeah. So in shock, in shock, when the blood pressure drops, the heart rate has to go up to make sure that everything is still getting what it's supposed to get. And so our body works as a team. So the heart has to pick up 
the slack for where there's been uh, with aneurysm for where there's been a rupture in the aorta. Okay. So the heart begins to take on work harder. Yes. Begins to work harder to make sure that the kidneys, the legs, the, um, the brain, the lungs, the spleen gets, gets what it needs. The intestinal organs. I love how our body works. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. We're going to have, okay. So that was, that was a review of shock. Check that out. Look how we just went from aneurysm to shock, just like that. And that is what you have to do. That's how you know you understand content because I can ask you something that seemingly is unrelated and you guys will be able to make the connection. You'll be able to make the connection through content, okay? Um, and so we have abdominal distension. Wow, we, we understand that. You're gonna have some bleeding. Blood is going in, in your ab abdominal cavity. Dizziness and lightheadedness. Why? Because the brain is the highest organ. And so it's going to take the most work for blood to get up there. Shortness of breath. You're going to have pressure. Okay. Um, the lungs also are going to have to work harder. Cold sweat. What's the cold sweat from? Why would I expect the patient to have a cold sweat? Because they have what? Okay. Because they have what? Oh. I love it. These comments are everything. And I get to see the comments from Facebook and YouTube. So I'm, I'm just getting all the good stuff. Uh, because the cold sweat is because they are actually in, what do we say they were in? They're in shock. They're in shock. Okay. They're in shock. And so you're going to have that. Now, um, that is the abdominal aortic aneurysm. That's the one we want to be most familiar with. With thoracic aortic aneurysm, I think we can appreciate the signs and symptoms of the thoracic aortic aneurysm when it ruptures, sudden and severe chest pain, mm -hmm, shortness of breath, sudden back pain, a significant drop in the blood pressure, and you're also going to have some um, disruption to the innervation of the nerves here. So you're going to have numbness in the limbs, numbness in the limbs. And it's just like the position of the bleeding is going to cause some issues. Cerebral aneurysms, cerebral aneurysms are going to be most indicative when it ruptures of a subarachnoid hemorrhage, okay? Subarachnoid hemorrhage. Okay, I think this is clear. I think we understand what's going on here with our patients. I would, I would be uh, confident to say that you guys understand that the, these are all considered medical emergencies. Our patient is not doing well. Our patient is not doing well. How would we diagnose this condition? How are we going to test it? Well, for the abdominal aortic aneurysm, we need to do an abdominal ultrasound that will show us the dilation. The thoracic aortic aneurysm, this is just in general terms how these diagnostic tests work. You can do an MRI, okay? You, you need to do an MRI to see through the soft tissues. You could do a um, computed tomography imaging or a chest X-ray as well. You're probably going to have to use some contrast in order to see all of the arteries, um, all of the, the scope of the arteries. Cerebral aneurysm, of course, you would do an MRA, may have to use some contrast. And the... Uh, CTA as well, and you'll be able to see it. 
somebody asked, how do you, how do you treat this? What are we supposed to do? So it is going to be a medical and then there's going to be a surgical treatment for most conditions. Aneurysms are not different. So we are going to have non-surgical or medical treatment, blood pressure medicines. That is the best way to not have an aneurysm rupture. And it is going to be to reduce the pressure because that's the main issue with our patient. They have a weakened point in their vascular wall. And so every time that weakened spot takes the force of the heartbeat and the force of the heartbeat is so strong. I don't know if we even realize it because we don't actually feel the pain until something is wrong. But the force that your heart beats, like you think about this force and you just take it like all day long, never get a break. It's very easy to understand how this can happen. So we're going to put our patient on antihypertensives. We're going to have them try to have reduced stressors in their life. So avoid lifting, straining activities. I mean, they have to definitely take it easy. Smoking cessation, please stop smoking. And then aneurysm precautions. So um, aneurysm precautions is a general term. I want somebody right now, give me some aneurysm precautions that are also um, recommended for our patient. That's a little, this is a little quick study, study um, assignment. Did you know you had assignments when you show up here? Yes, you have assignments, active participation, active learning. What are aneurysm precautions? All right. Um, I'm going to go on really quickly to the surgical interventions for our patients. And um, so surgical interventions for the abdominal and thoracic, you can do the, uh, you can do the open repair. Open repair is just essentially what it sounds like. You're going to cut the patient down their sternum and you're actually going to open up their chest. So it is an open heart, open chest surgery where you're going to go to where the weakened area of the abdominal wall is, and you're going to try to reinforce it. Or you can do an endovascular repair. Endovascular repair is a fancy, fancy name for, to me anyways, for just placing a stent or, or placing a protective, um, protective tool around the vein so that that tool takes the brunt of that tool takes the brunt of the pressure. All right. So I asked what was the um, aneurysm precautions and I got some really good answers. So the first one I saw, of course, we talked about this avoid exerting smoking cessation rest. There was another one uh, avoid straining. So that means we would put the patient on what. Okay. We don't want them straining low fat diet, low sodium, avoid weightliftings, taking medication on schedule, reducing anxiety and fear. Shout out to the one who is um, concerned about the emotional and psychosocial issues of the patient. Because I can imagine, honestly, if somebody told me I had a brain aneurysm, how much anxiety that would create in my life. Um, so amazing nurse, amazing nurse right there. Soul softener, report back pain. Yes, good job, guys. That was a quick assignment. 
you guys all got 100% on that. Surveillance, you would definitely want to have imaging studying to know if the diameter of that aneurysm was increasing, okay? Regular assessment also of the clinical manifestations. I think one of the Remar nurses said, report back pain, report back pain. Okay, um, pre-surgery pre therapies, adjunct therapies, meaning um, some things that you would do, you're going to induce hypotension, all right? So that means that you're going to take your patient's blood pressure down lower than normal on purpose. Yes, that is something that can and, and probably will be done. Um, draining any cerebral spinal fluid, Putting your patient on diuretics, this also is going to reduce the blood pressure and um, hyperventilation, meaning we're going to over-oxygenate our patients. Antibiotics can also be given, uh, uh, like if it's a condition of a bacterial infection, we would put our patient on antibiotics too as well. Health teaching, so much teaching here. We talked a little bit about it today before I showed the slides. So I didn't wanna just give you guys the answers. We are gonna teach our patients to avoid activities, lifting weights, straining, okay? Also contact sports, pushing and pulling activities is not happening for you. Smoking cessation, importance of controlling blood pressure and also getting reg regular surveillance testing. Monitoring the mean arterial pressure, early signs of hypotension, respiratory distress, paralytic ileus. Paralytic ileus is going to happen for our patient if they are not getting the innervation that they need. We got to watch, make sure that um, that aneurysm has not ruptured, causing a lack of blood flow oxygenation to the intestines. Post-op signs of bleeding, if we do have to do open heart surgery, stent placement, we're going to look for signs of bleeding, severe pain, okay, um, cyanosis, abdominal distension, oliguria, paralysis. Post-op, also, we should be looking for this diminished bowel sounds. Um, Donald asked this question, induce hypotensive. What if you're pre-hospital? Will you still prefer this management? So I think um, for us as nurses, we need to we need to understand that actually that's not our call. Uh, we understand the principles of why hypotension is better than hypertension, but I'm sure that it is a patient case by case basis because if we put our patient in a hypotensive situation, that's going to cause complications too, just the same. Um, so you, you, you allow the doctors to weigh the risks and benefits of how they treat the patient, all right? It's a great question. Um, how about sexual contact? So this is tricky here because I don't think the recommendation could ever reasonably be avoid sexual contact. I think the recommendation is gonna be more on blood pressure control. And then we said, we don't want you straining. We said, we don't want you stressing. Um, and so I think if you can have a way to do sexual contact and not be stressed out about it in, in any kind of way, maybe put you on, you know, some nitroglycerin or something like that, that's going to keep everything at a low 
um, low stressor, low pressure, then it can be done. Okay. All right, let's go back to Intuit. Managing pain, nausea, and vomiting. All right. And let's get into our NCLEX questions, guys. We have been studying for over an hour or almost about an hour. Even with the testimonial, you know I don't like to run you guys too long. So here's our first NCLEX question. And we got way past the required likes today. So all of them will be unlocked. Here it is. This is, this is challenging today. In evaluating clients who are likely to develop an aneurysm, which of the following clients are at risk? Mm. select three that apply. There's five here, select three. Number one, a client who has a vitamin B12 deficiency. Two, a client with underlying fibromuscular dysplasia. Three, a client with arteriosclerosis. Four, a client with or who has fibromyalgia. Did I say that right? Yes, fibromyalgia. It's, it's morning time. It's too early. And then five, a client who is a former smoker with 30 pack years. And remember, guys, you got to make sure you don't stop reading before the question is over because I'm asking you, to, um, I'm asking you to give me three answers. So when people are only giving me one or two, make sure that you are reading appropriately. Okay. Make sure that you're reading appropriately. That's one of the hardest battles. I think that's one of the hardest battles. When we see a lot of text, we, we, quit, we tend to quit too early when there's a lot of text. Correct answer. I see him on the screen. The correct answer is two, three, and five. Two, three, and five. And so um, the patient with underlying fibromuscular dysplasia, you know that here, well, let me just read everything. Arteriosclerosis is the most common cause of an aneurysm. All right. So we have that. Everybody had three hypertension, hyperlipidemia, and cigarette smoking. These are modifiable contributing or risk factors. And then the patient with the underlying fibromuscular dysplasia, when you have a disease that affects the blood vessels or vascular pathy, um, this can also put you at risk for, this can also put you at risk for conditions like aneurysms conditions like aneurysm. So it's two, three, and five. Here's the next question here. A lot of reading. Stay with me to the end. Don't lose me. A male client presents to the emergency room with reports of frequent headaches and double vision. A family history of cerebral aneurysm is significant in his father. To evaluate for possible cerebral aneurysm, which of the following diagnostic tests is highly indicated? Is it going to be the magnetic renaissance imaging of the brain, the magnetic renaissance angiography of the brain, the electroencephalogram, or the computed tomography imaging of the brain. Now, there are several here that can be correct, but for NCLEX, we are looking for, this is a challenging part, what is the most correct? What is the most highly indicated? What is going to give you the most accurate reading 
This is where your content shows up. No, no fooling around here. Because you understand the condition. Okay, you understand the condition. Okay, um, and so, and so, and so, and so, correct answer. I see it, it's between two and four. Um, it's also between one and two, too. I am looking at this one as being the correct answer. Okay, I am looking at this one being the correct answer. Woo, number two. Did you guys get this one right? Or were you kind of confused here? So the MRA, <laughs> the, the MRA is the best diagnostic test because it is looking at the actual vasculature. It's not just giving you a, a picture of the brain, right? It is looking at the actual smallest amounts of the vessels. All right, so did you go with your first choice? Don't, don't ever, I see a couple people saying I had that, but then I changed it. All right, man, don't do that. It's a nasty, nasty habit. The, um, so when you just talk about the, the generic magnetic Renaissance computed tomography imaging, it's also can be used. However, the smaller size aneurysms are missed. So the angiography, the angiogram is looking at the smallest vessels. And so when we talk about getting the most accurate you need to remember this, okay? So maybe you need to write it down. You need to look at it again. I don't know. Um, you you need to keep this in your mind. All right. And so when you talk about the electroencephalogram, it is can, it can be used to like monitor the status of the aneurysm, but not actually detect it. All right. So here we go. Let's move on. Let's move on to the next one. Question number three says this: a client with a newly found diagnosis of a thoracic aortic aneurysm is being scheduled for aneurysm repair. If not repaired, TAA can rupture, okay? It can rupture. So which can be initially evidenced by what three, okay? Select three that apply. Think about, think about the, um, man, think about the, let me not give you too much clues. Just think about it and give me three answers, okay? Okay. Almost, I see, ooh, I see some good ones. I just see one, two, and three. Mm-hmm, one, two, and three. I see two, three, and five. Two, three, and five. One, two, and five. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Man. Two, three, and four. Mm. One, two, and three. All right. So correct answer. And I wanted you guys to think about this. I wanted you guys to think about this. We have here, okay, so correct answer is two, three, and four, two, three, and four. 
All right, two, three, and four here. So two, three, and four. Two, three, and four. We're going to have the ruptured TAA can be manifested by severe pain. And let me just say this. Here's, a, here's the silver lining. If you didn't get it right, all of them. Because next-gen NCLEX has what? It has partial credit. It has partial credit. So take cheer, okay? Good citizens. All right, Remar, nurses, two, three, and four. Ruptured TAA can be manifested by severe pain in the thoracic area. The, the ruptured blood vessels will commence internal bleeding, leading to hypotension, not hypertension, okay? Poor tissue perfusion to the major organs, such as the kidneys. Somebody said, why is it four? Because remember, we're talking about the aorta. And so all of the other arteries are going to be coming off of that. There's arteries that run to your kidneys that allow them to function. And so um, initially you're going to have, oh, where did I leave off? The ruptured blood vessels will commence internal bleeding, leading to hypotension, not hypertension, poor tissue perfusion to major organs such as the kidneys. Oliguria can result from renal insufficiency. Dyspnea can result from pressure due to bleeding. Abdominal distension is not manifested here. We're talking about the thoracic aortic aneurysm, not the abdominal aortic aneurysm. So um, I hope that makes sense to you guys. If not, uh, talk amongst yourselves in the comments. I got to move on. Next question is this. Whew. All right. Registered nurse is preparing a care plan for a client with an abdominal aortic aneurysm at risk for rupture. Which of the following interventions should be included? Select four that apply. Okay, so we move from the thoracic to the abdominal, please. All right, what, what four interventions? Number one, measuring abdominal girth. Two, inform the client that severe abdominal pain is expected. Three, teach the client to report severe flank pain. Four, assess peripheral pulses every four hours. Five, palpate the abdomen for distension. Two, monitor easy bruising on the lower back. I'm looking for four interventions. I'm looking for four interventions for the client who is um, who has an triple A that is at risk for rupturing. Okay, and just give it a try. Like, just do do your best. Give it a try. Measuring abdominal girth, informing the client that severe pain is expected, teaching the client to report severe flank pain. Assessing peripheral pulses every four hours, palpating the abdomen for distension, monitoring easy bruising on the lower back. Okay, monitor easy bruising on the lower back. And so I see one, one, three, five, and six, one, two, five, and six. What do you have? One, three, four, and six. Here's the correct answer. Oof, a lot of reading. Next gen is a lot of reading in general. So let's just um, prepare. One, three, four, and six. One, three, 
four and six. Ooh, that was a good point. Somebody put this in here. Um, you don't palpate it. It may rupture. Okay. All right. So measuring abdominal girth, teaching the client to report severe flank pain, assessing peripheral pulses every four hours, monitoring easy bruising on the lower back. This one to me was um, one of the most significant uh, because in monitoring clients with possible rupture of a triple A, it is important to regularly check uh, faint pulses, look for abdominal distension. This is where you would have abdominal distension. All right. Bruising or ecchymosis, severe abdominal and flank pain, as these can indicate rupture and bleeding. Palpation is avoided since it can rupture um, the aneurysm. And then severe abdominal pain must be reported immediately. Okay. All right, let's go on to the next question here. We did unlock it. Let's go. All right, here we go. In caring for a client with cerebral aneurysm, it is important to implement aneurysm precautions, which includes, all right, which includes number one, preventing constipation, encouraging iron-rich diet, promoting regular walking, enemas as tolerated. Mm -mm. Okay, which one are we going to say? <laughs> this is a simple question, but it can be challenging after you've done all of those difficult ones. So let me just see if you guys can reorient yourself and not think or read too much into it. Because at first presentation, it's like, oh, these are all really good. Like, what, what would we, um, you know, what would be wrong with any of these? Mm -mm. Correct answer. Correct answer is going to be pow. Number one, clients with cerebral aneurysm should refrain from activities that increase intracranial pressure. Constipation must be avoided by providing stool softeners. En enemas are not indicated as this can stimulate the vagus nerve. Iron rich foods. Sounds good. Sounds good, but what? It can cause constipation and regular walking is non-contributory. A lot of people pick this. A lot of people pick this. Sounds good again, but of course, if we're if we're understanding, and this is where your content comes in, if you're understanding aneurysm, you're understanding the cause of the aneurysm, the treatment of the aneurysm, then although regular walking seems like it'll be beneficial, it's not going to actually impact the it's not going to actually impact the patient's condition it's non-contributory so um how did you guys do four out of five five out of five partial credit you, you loving that partial credit today this was definitely a topic man this topic we had to uh we kind of really had to work together and kind of tug through this topic of aneurysms we've been studying for over an hour and so I, I so appreciate your, um, your time and your dedication to your craft because many people probably needed to be here that didn't show up, but you did. And now you have such a, um, a more comprehensive understanding of the aneurysm or the, the patient that presents with aneurysm. And you know what? You're going to be excited if you see a question on a triple A 
on the NCLEX exam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we're looking for is what Nurse Kimberly was talking about. We're looking for that delayed gratification. So right now, does it feel good that I had to wake up at 6 a.m.? No, it didn't. But you know what will feel better is that knowing when you are in front of the NCLEX exam and they asked you about a triple A, and you're going to be like, I know this because I showed up for Monday Motivation and we studied this. That is, that's what this process looks like. It's not easy. All right. If it's easy, many people would do it, but they don't do it. Okay. Here's my Monday motivation. I had this whole thing that I was going to talk about with batteries and cell phones and all, all this stuff, which I think is really good too. But I had an experience this weekend where I came out to Las Vegas to celebrate, you know, um, my husband's 40th birthday. All right. Um, and um, I, I had, uh, I surprised him. We had like 20 people fly out here to meet Mark in this city. And it was so amazing. It was so amazing. He was totally surprised. And Mark is a very wise man. You guys know that. And so when I am able to keep things from him, <laughs> it is so, so incredible. Because sometimes I don't tell Mark stuff and then the, the Lord will reveal it to this man. You know how you know how that is. Like I'll try not to tell Mark something, and he'll 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 uh it'll it'll come upon him some other way, and he will know. And so we were here. I was supposed to go home Sunday because I have Monday motivation. I have stuff to do. I live in Ohio. I love you know I love the West Coast, but my life is in the East Coast. But there was a hurricane that was approaching, and um. It, it, it was going to affect the entirety of the coast, the West Coast, and even move inland into Nevada. And so when we woke up on Saturday before church, um, we got, the, we got the, the text that our flight was canceled. And so this was a, a huge disruption, not only us, but several of the people that, you know, we had joining us, flights canceled, flights canceled. And so my, my Monday motivation is in, in that moment. I started to feel worried. I started to feel stressed if we were going to be stuck here. Um, you know, what was, what was, you know, also praying for the people that actually would be directly hit with this hurricane from Mexico all the way up. My goodness. Right. And so I started to fret and I started to stress because, you know, something happened to me that was unplanned, man. Then I, then, then it came upon me like in, in, in any situation, even when things are planned, you still need the Lord's help. You still should be seeking God in prayer. And so we got up and we went to church and I'm in church and I'm like, Lord, man, I don't know what's going to happen, but I just need to find you immediately. I need to seek you where my strength is. And some people right now, you may not be feeling well. You may be sick in the body. You may be uh, full of anxiety and you may be full of stress. I'm going to tell you, you need to seek the Lord right now where you are. Because in our own strength, we can't do anything. And, and this is me planning, planning this trip for six months, right? Planning it, every detail, every little point. And then we get out here and it's a hurricane, you know, that's coming up. Totally unplanned. Um, and so in church, we were able to pray for the people that would be directly impacted. We were able to pray for our situation. We were able to pray for others. We were able to hear God's word. Um, Mark and the pastor had actually talked and I'm sitting there with the kids and the pastor calls 
Mark's name calls me up to the pulpit to give a testimony of a healing that I had experienced at that church a year later. Let me tell you something about God. The delay, the delay for me was not about an inconvenience. It was so that I could take myself to church and be in a position to get in front of a congregation and give a testimony about God's goodness. The delay was so that I could do what I tell you all to do in real time. And it is cast your cares upon the Lord. Right. And so I am standing in front of this congregation with my husband and he's, you know, Mark, he is telling a story and then I'm able to give my testimony. We come off of the pulpit and there is a Remar nurse in the audience that said, came up to me after and says, Hey, I, I used your program and I passed. I'm an RN now. And it is just like, won't he do it? Like, Lord, why, why did you cancel the flight? You canceled the flight so that I could give a testimony to somebody that needs a healing and somebody that needs faith. And they needed to hear me at that moment. You canceled the flight so that I could meet a Remar nurse to encourage me and encourage others that you can, you will, you must pass NCLEX. So I, I'll just say this, what, whatever you may be going through, whatever you may be experiencing in this moment, let me tell you, God is bigger. Um, and, and let me tell you this also, that you live in a world that as much planning as you want or think to do, there is always something that may come upon you that is unexpected. And so if you don't have yourself rooted and grounded in a truth, this world can sweep you away. Because the thing about it is the truth of the world is always changing. What is good to the world is always changing. And if you don't have a root and a firm foundation in the truth, you can be deceived. You can be deceived that everything that you're doing, oh man, you can be deceived that everything that you have accomplished in your life is because of your own power. You can be deceived to think that it is your wisdom and it is your goodness that has gotten you to this place. You could think that you are smart and be counted among fools. And so on this Monday, on this Monday that we have never seen before, this gift of a new day, I want us to be grateful this week because in truth, we have much more than we deserve and we have much more than we've worked for. And there's many people who are working harder than us, who are smarter than us, who are more grateful than us, who have little. Okay. Um, and so um, as I sit here, I see that the, the sky is, you know, is clearing up and that the sun is coming out upon us again. And I just want to say that um, with God, everything is possible. Anything that you, you know, you think or that you imagine to be good, give it to him and he'll tell you if it's good for you or not in his timing and not your own. And so continue to be in prayer, continue to encourage and uplift one another and celebrate, celebrate the success of people who are, who are going before you because your time is coming. Your time is coming. It's not a race. It's not a race to get there. It's about um, who you who you transform into on the journey, okay? Being a nurse is a ministry. And there are people 
Um, there are people who who come into the ministry and they do miracles. Ooh, they do miracles. Um, but it's because during many, many hard times, they have uh, they have established a character during the process. And so uh, I just want to say that to you guys today. God is good. I love y'all. Uh, thank you for always rocking with me and putting time out of your day to study with our study group. It is an incredible journey here. Um, and I want to say again, uh, happy birthday, Mark. I love you so much. And you mean um, you mean the world to us. And there you are. You are a rare, a rare man in this world. There are not many men like you. And so for us to have you here praying for us, uh, teaching us God's word, encouraging us, fixing the audio, fixing the lights and talking to the Remar nurses, inviting them to come on. Uh, we, we appreciate what you do, what it does for the community. Uh, we, we love having men in leadership roles. We love seeing it done. Uh, we understand that you guys are the leaders of the household, the priests of the household. And so to have you here uh, with the Remar community is amazing. It's amazing. Oh, happy birthday. Um, and again, you all have a wonderful week. I will be back on Wednesday. We're coming back to do this again on Wednesday at the appropriate time, 9 p.m. Oh, oh yeah, 9 p.m. Eastern time. And let me tell you this, it's a game night. It's a game night this Wednesday. So we will be playing. We will be playing together. It's going to be Kahoot, just like how I usually do. So uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel. I probably will be going live to tell you about it all the time. Okay. Uh, but it's Wednesday night at 9 p.m. So get your phone ready. Get your laptops ready so that you can answer. We probably will play for a prize. I'm not sure how much it's going to be or anything like that. I just got to get these questions ready. They're going to be challenging. There is no set topic. It will be all things NCLEX, all things NCLEX. So let's get ready for that Wednesday night. Oh, man. Let's go, guys. I will see you later. Remember this. Nobody told you this this week. You can, you will, and you must pass NCLEX because with God is possible. It's possible.